welcome to the Buckets and Tea MBA podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Our music is brought to you by Tanika Charles, courtesy of Record Kicks. Her album Soul Run and The Gumption are available now on all streaming platforms. Joining me today is friend to the show, been way too long. So happy to have you back. It's Chris Myers. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Good to be back. I'm doing good. I'm doing I'm, I'm, I'm booked and busy. You're booked and busy. We're getting out and about. You're fully vaccinated. Congratulations. Thank you. I am not fully vaccinated yet, but I can't wait. I'm on it. I'm on the phones. I'm doing my best uh, to get out there and have a life again. I have a hair appointment and a nail appointment for pedicure before I have my second vaccine. So, hey, that's what you got to do. That's what it is. I, I, um, I have a hair appointment booked right on the day everything opens up again on Wednesday. I have my uh, my hair, nice. my brows appointment for 4 p.m. I am ready. Nice. I have nails on, I think, Saturday. What day Saturday? Did I do this right? I think it's the third. Oh, yeah. I have everything on the third. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, I might have to reschedule my nails. I might have double booked myself anyway. Uh, that is, you know, they opened up patios and they didn't let us get fresh. So we're just doing our best out here. Um, we've had an amazing Western and Eastern conference finals so far. I want to get into them. Let's start with the East. So with the Bucks versus the Hawks, um, I'm in love with Trey Young. I've called him my son on Twitter. It's official. I'm like, Nick Nurse is my husband. Trey Young is my son. I've just decided to claim him. I just decided I gave birth to him. Uh, he doesn't know that yet. <laughs> Got nice just decided to add to... I just decided to add to the fantasy, build a family around it, um, because I felt like before I was always a Trey Young fan, but everyone hated him so much that I just felt like I was always missing something. And then now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to like this guy and I don't care what anybody else thinks. And a lot of people have been eating their words. A lot of Trey Young haters have been, wow, I guess I was wrong kind of thing. So. I mean, he got injured last night. He is getting an MRI today, and he's actually questionable for game four, which is just awful. Um, my first aside, my fantasy aside, Chris, my first impressions of this series are the Bucks are the superior team, but Nate McMillan is the superior coach. And <laughs> I think um, I do think the Bucks are going to end up with this series, even if Trey comes back. Um, I heard a Milwaukee Bucks fan say, I want to win the championship and then I want Budenholzer fired. And I'm like, that is such a weird state of mind to be in as a fan to want to win and have your coach fired in the same year but it seems like that's where the bucks fans are at and i just found that to be absolutely hilarious chris what are your initial thoughts of this series? oh my yeah bucks fans are savage towards Mike <laughs> now i for one have poked many many jabs at mike budenholzer myself <laughs> But also, I think he finally realized that he was coaching for his job. 
and decided, okay, maybe I should uh, make a finals appearance this year. Okay, maybe it's okay to play Giannis more than 35 minutes in an important playoffs game, you know, and uh, be a little more creative with my offense and my defensive schemes, right? And not do the same thing over and over again because it worked just because it worked in the regular season. So yeah. I will give Budenholzer credit where credit is due. Uh, he has improved his rotations a great deal. And mm-hmm. Giannis is definitely stepping up his game and taking things a little more seriously and being a little more in, more eyes on the prize. And I appreciate yeah. that about him. Uh, he still can't shoot a three pro, <laughs> but no. he makes up for it in so many other ways. And it's really nice to see, um, you know, other teams on, like, sorry, not the other teams, other players on the team step up every night, you know, like, it's at a point now where, you know, one player's gonna have a good night in tandem with Giannis. Like, one night it's gonna be Drew's night. One night it's gonna be, you know, a Chris Middleton night, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, so he's gonna have, Giannis finally has, you know, a solid supporting cast and a coach that is willing to adjust and coach a little bit more by feel rather than by, you know, theory or whatever he was doing for the past two seasons against Nick Nurse and Eric Spolstra, respectively, right? Yeah, or even in the previous series. Like, it's. Yeah. I feel like this is the first time we have seen Budenholzer make an in-series adjustment yeah and the only reason why the bucks are still in it is because kevin durant has size 13 feet instead of size 11 feet he was because his toe was on the line if his if he was like half an inch back it would be nets hawks right now in the series and budenholzer wouldn't have a job and it would be an entertaining sweep by the nets It would be a very entertaining entertaining. uh, sweep by the nets. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Kevin Durant actually had a pretty heartbreaking quote after that. Uh, Something along, I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of, I guess it just wasn't in God's plan. You know, because that's just such a small, just a small thing. His toe on the line really making or breaking it there. Um, But you're absolutely right. And I just, you know... I mean, with this series, I I completely agree with you in terms of the role players. Like we've seen it takes different role players stepping up different games to really be at a championship level. And we're finally seeing that like Chris Middleton last night, I think, tied his career high. Um, I think it was around 38 points. Um, and then the previous game, Drew Holiday had a really good game. I mean, it really as somebody who is rooting for the Hawks in this, it really does suck that Trey young, uh, went out again, like kind of a freak injury, like tripping over the ref's foot there. Um, because the Hawks are really in this. So I give them credit for, um, making adjustments as well from game two to game three, because game two was a blowout. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think anybody called the hawks making the eastern conference finals no <laughs> nobody <laughs> saw that no one absolutely no one called that <laughs> and trey young has destroyed nba playoff brackets 
across everywhere. the globe. Uh, one thing I've loved this year is just how much money people have lost <laughs> over these NBA playoffs. Like, I want to know how much money was not how much money people won. I want to know how much money was lost. Millions. I guarantee <laughs> it. Millions. Absolutely millions. Because, I mean, my bracket was just you know is is just ash and dust now uh i didn't pick any four of the teams left i didn't pick any of the four teams left no i only have one team left and it's the suns yeah so you picked the suns over the lakers in the first round i did yeah wow good for you i did and ennis esmer was on the show and he did and i'm almost positive i laughed in his face i have to go back to that episode and <laughs> check i mean i picked that series to be long but i didn't i thought the lakers would edge out but i didn't realize well obviously anthony davis got injured that was that's really what made or break it but i don't know like i think not to get into major lakers talk but i think they're screwed I think yeah. they're absolutely screwed because the odds of LeBron and Anthony Davis being healthy consistently is not great. And the rest of the supporting cast is just not good enough. They're just not good enough. No. And they don't have the assets to really upgrade in a significant way. So unless they're going to luxury tax the hell out of that franchise, which I don't think they're going to do, I don't know. Like, they took the last years of LeBron's career and legacy with, you know, with great responsibility or they said that, but now it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I think they even have Gasol for another year. Yeah. They have Gasol on a team option, I think. So he might, uh, I think he's, and they needed him. They that's, did need him. That's not good. As much Gasol. as I will always love Gasol, like that is, not good like it is like I, I just and then devin schroeder is not i don't know you i know, mean uh, he does what he can but when it comes down to it it's just it's is just, he a, is he a championship level point guard is I what i'm saying know. i don't think he is i do think he's a good point guard yeah he's i'm not saying guard. i'm not saying that but i don't he, i don't think he's a championship level point guard and i don't know how they're gonna flip that so anyway i mean that's probably more of an off-season thing but the lakers demise i mean call me naive but like i really thought okay if these two are healthy they'll figure it out just like they did last year and just LeBron really didn't look like himself. I do think if the Lakers were healthy, they still could have edged out that series, but they weren't healthy. No. And I don't know if they're ever going to be fully healthy at the same time. So anyway, that's a whole thing. Phoenix, I'm finally, okay, here's what I, <laughs> we're jumping all over the place, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, the one thing I will say about the Phoenix Suns is they just feel destined to win. Don't they? Don't they just feel destined right? to win it all? I would be very happy with the Suns championship. Because, I think we all would be. Yeah, I think I think NBA fandom on a whole would be totally fine with the Suns winning a championship. They've never won one. No, and I think you know, and and Chris due. Paul finally having a ring. Yeah, Chris you know, Paul deserves a ring. Chris Paul it, absolutely it's deserves. It's very a ring. you know when when Derek Nowitzki won, and it was like, wow, this guy got a ring. Like that's really cool. Like as yeah. much as like 
you know, you might not like the Mavericks or whatever to see Dirk get a ring was like very satisfying. And and I feel the same way about Chris Paul. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all we'll get into the Sun series in a bit, but I'm I'm all in with them. But I just man, the Hawks have been so impressive, so fun to watch, like people, you know, they get like some people don't like Trey Young's antics or how much he like baits the refs. And I'm like, you can't look me in the eye and tell me you're not entertained. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I mean, isn't that why we're here? That's why we're here. Yeah. And he is delivering. I mean, even Reggie Miller on the call is floored by what Trey Young is doing. And they are very similar in the personalities that they played basketball with. Yep. I agree. And Um, Reggie Miller is like, oh, damn, he just did that. And that's why I was saying weeks ago when they were facing New York, I'm like, Reggie Miller needs to be on that call. What is wrong with you? Why is Reggie Miller in Memphis right now? <laughs> like, get your right? shit together. He needs to be calling all these Trey Young games. Yep. Against the Knicks, totally. Um, admittedly, like I've totally poked fun at Trey Young because of his defense or lack thereof in the sure. past. Sure. And you know, I've like like that, and I feel like that's a legit criticism. But in terms of like him being unlikable, I just I love the heel turn. Like I like him kind of playing a hammy mustache mustache twirly villain on on the court like i love it i think it's so entertaining i think we need we you know i love you know i love players like tim duncan or kareem abdul jabbar who are like stoic fundamental quiet strong bigs but i also love scrappy little trey youngs that you know <laughs> that are like complete shit disturbers like you could even say something like that about kyle lowry yeah like they're just dogs they're bulldog. Yeah, I I mean Kyle has more defense, but like okay, here's the thing. I I agree with you in terms of his lack of defense and that being a valid criticism. But I do think people were way harder on him than they were on like a young James Harden. Oh, totally. Like Absolutely. James Harden was really similar in his first few years in the league and nobody was this hard on him. Mm-hmm. And like people like people just make fun of him for the way he looks. Like to for an entire arena to chant Trey Young's balding, yeah. like who gives a shit? Like no. that's how you know you have nothing left. Yep, that's when you know you have nothing left to say when you when that is what you're resorting to. Like, and it's so funny to me to hear an entire arena chant Trey Young's balding because, like, how do the bald people in the arena feel? Yeah, it's like of course there's gonna be. <laughs> And I'm very sure men in the arena. More than one person on both teams that is losing their hair. Not to mention like a good chunk of the coaching staff. <laughs> so many, like, there are more so bald many coaches people. than there are not balding coaches. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I just feel like the hatred towards Trey Young was always too much and I regret doubting myself but now I feel very vindicated because even like uh my god remember when there was an all-star game when that Trey Young wasn't even named an all-star how stupid does that look now how stupid does that look now that Trey Young wasn't even an all-star this year it's it's tragic he was an all-star last year but 
And then everyone was like, no, this guy's overrated. This guy's overrated. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy's not overrated. He's a legitimate all-star. And then, but like for, and then people, you know, they always try to make that argument about wins, this, that, and the other, but then they put in Zach Levine. Yeah. And then that turned out to be, I mean, not him individually, but the Chicago Bulls turned out to be a bust. And yeah, here we are. Rotting away in mediocrity right now. Sorry, Bulls fans. <laughs> but it's true. It's just true. And so, like, I don't know. I, I just felt like the Trey Young hate was too harsh when it was happening. I agree. And I agree. it just it just feels satisfying to see him uh, kind of vindicated. And, you know, he won't be overlooked, at, you know, come All-Star time probably ever again. Um, He'll probably but the- get the, um, the uh, preempted or apology all-star vote next year from fans or journalists yeah yeah Yeah. or maybe not even an apology vote from fans maybe just like a pure love vote yeah a lot of people have been like damn i'll vote for trey young yeah do it up absolutely trey young for all-star yeah um and he's my son now so (laughs) the only thing i want to say about the bucks is like i just feel like they're still not taking full advantage of the size advantage that they have. Yeah. I just said advantage twice in a sentence. I'm sorry. As a writer, that bothers me, but we're really off the cuff here. So they're not I, thinking about the spacing, Catherine. They're not <laughs> thinking the about spacing. the spacing. Thank you. Thanks for, fi- for fixing my sentence there. No, really. Cause like whenever Giannis gets in the paint, it's over every play, every play. I don't know why they aren't being more aggressive and just literally beating this team up like they could beat this team up and i don't know why that isn't happening i feel like even though and they probably won't make these adjustments because they are they've won the last two games but i'm like i just still feel like the bucks are too soft they're too soft yeah a little more fight would be good i'd appreciate that a little more exciting yeah, like they, you know, even though Trey Young had that impressive 48 points in, in game one, like the Bucks could have swept this series if they were more aggressive in the paint, honestly. Because even in that game that they won, in the last few minutes of game one, Giannis was getting whatever he wanted in the paint. And oh, it yeah. was kind of driving me crazy. But I think like, you know, and they keep saying it on the broadcast and it's like, to me, it's so sad when an adjustment is so obvious. We're screaming at the TV. Like, I shouldn't know what the adjustment is, is how I feel as a fan. Like, yes, I'm a fan. Yes, I watch a lot of basketball. But if I'm out thinking you, that's really bad. That's yeah. really bad. Like, clearly, John Collins, who I actually also really love, like, I love this whole Hawks team, is not, he can't guard Giannis alone. And time and time again, he's alone in the paint with Giannis. And it's like, come on. I mean, I know I said Nate McMillan is the superior coach in the series. I still believe that's true. But it's like, I think they need to play a bigger lineup. Yeah, I think they need to go big. And they need to really, like, flood the paint on defense. I just, I don't know. I mean, and in game three, they were settling way too much for threes. And that was frustrating um i don't see the hawks getting out of this series but wow what a successful year for them 
and you know i'm i'll still root for them oh yeah i want i want good things for the hawks now and i and i wouldn't have said this last year as a fan like i wouldn't even have considered them for playoffs this year like i love how completely wrong that i was and I like being wrong. I like it when I can't predict it or can't call it. Yes. There's a certain there's a certain satisfaction in calling it, but at the same time, it's just as satisfying, if not more satisfying, than being wrong and being oh, yeah. completely wrong. I completely agree. I've been so delightfully surprised this year by so many of the series, and I think I'll always remember this playoffs for that. It was just how delightfully surprised I was by all these new up and coming players um and really like the you know maybe a few weeks ago on this podcast i was kind of sad and sort of melancholy about the changing of the guard because it makes me feel old frankly because it's like oh because i'm like the same age as lebron james and i'm watching all of this past me <laughs> in real time but at the same time i'm like wow all these young players are so fun to watch like Lucas I, I hate Dallas but Luke is really fun to watch I had so much fun watching the Grizzlies um again with the Hawks really enjoying the Suns like I'm enjoying a lot of these other teams me too it's it's been a boon for basketball this season like it's it's great basketball mm -hmm. despite mm -hmm. everything that's going on right now some excellent basketball is being played and you know, you're not seeing typical narratives playing out anymore, and it does feel really nice to have a new guard, you know, coming into its own and seeing people like Trey Young make deep playoff runs and seeing someone like Luca or the Grizzlies make playoffs. Uh, and then yeah. even seeing the Suns make a deep playoff run too, and it's not the same teams it's not as inevitable as it been as it's been since before the raptors won the championship in 19 yeah i agree let's uh let's talk about the suns uh clippers series um Kawhi is out which we know he's not coming back um he has a knee sprain which i think they're still downplaying in a way that is kind of odd that they just don't want everyone to know i mean they have told us okay it's officially an acl sprain not a tear because that would be surgery um okay here okay here's my hot takes about the clipper series i think or the clipper sun series i think paul george is been so impressive i think people are way too hard on him over the few free throws that he misses and I think I I hate Kawhi sitting out in the rafters instead of with his team. I mean, maybe like they don't want him there or may, like maybe it's a chemistry issue. I don't know. I think it's weird. I think it shows poor um, te teammanship. Is that a word? Like I just sportsmanship. I just, well, sportsmanship, but I mean, like with your team specifically, like that kind of camaraderie, it just really, I know people like get a kick out of it. Like, oh, like that's Kawhi, but I'm like, there's something really off there to me and I don't like it. That's yeah, my, I, that's my real hot take is yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little weirded out by it too, that, you know, like if I'm injured, 
uh, I want to be there for my teammates and supporting them and being a bench boss and 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 cheering my teammates on and lifting up morale and yeah absolute kudos to Paul George for basically just putting the team on his back mm -hmm. and carrying the team throughout the playoffs it's good that he's taking on that leadership role that Kawhi doesn't seem to really want to do with this team like, I mean I he clearly doesn't want to it's not even like oh I'm not I don't I'm not really a leadership guy that's not really my personality you were being the complete opposite of a leader yeah you, you're, you're not even there isolating from your team yeah you're not even there yeah you're not even so you're not even supporting like I just I don't get it it really rubs me the wrong way yeah um and uh being being a Spurs fan myself, it's sort of like, oh yeah, he's kind of just back to his old self again, mm. right? And I know yeah. he was injured, but it's just like he just keeps to himself a little bit too much, and I just think it's bad for team morale, right? I think so, cause I mean, I mean, look, like they're playing fine without him, but I think because he's not there, that the rest of them have the space to be vocal and be like okay you know it's like it's kind of like i don't know like when a certain presence leaves the room and any tension that exists leaves with them then you can breathe the sigh of relief and just be yourself and that's what i feel like has happened yeah. i mean i don't know like obviously i'm just judging based on body language based on like what we're able to observe but that's what it feels like it's like he left the room and everyone got to be themselves again because it isn't just paul george like uh reggie jackson i called him randy jackson last episode anyway no <laughs> reggie dog. jackson's bawling out like patrick beverly is making a comeback and i hate patrick beverly but like i gotta give credit where credit's due like the whole team has stepped up and the fact that they're even competitive in this series is so impressive to me yeah and that game two win was especially impressive yeah I, I agree. I like it's all of all of a sudden. Or game three was team. it? Sorry. Anyway, it was Kawhi's a game off three the winning. team, and the Clippers are suddenly <clears throat> likable again. Like, who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to go so far as to say likable, <laughs> but you're right. Like, I mean, even the way they closed out the Jazz series, and and now this, it's like this is a good team, and I don't know what it is about Kawhi's presence that but i or lack thereof it's just there's just something about me about it that's just so off to me and i feel like it's not being discussed enough i think everybody's just like well that's Kawhi, isn't that hilarious ha 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 you know like they kind of make a, a a joke out of it on the broadcast and Kawhi is like going wild and then he's not and then they all laugh right like i think mike breen had that call mm -hmm. but anyway like it's just Oh, fuck. I don't know. I can't yeah. put my finger on it to say explicitly what it is, yeah. but that's my guess that I think there's a lot of tension around him that everybody maybe walks on eggshells around him. And then when he left, they all got to feel a bit of relief and yeah. now they're just playing loose and like loose in a good way. And I just think it's all very telling, very yeah. telling. It, and it, and I, 
and it wasn't as much as a problem on the Raptors because, like, I just get the impression that more people in that locker room have a voice and have a certain presence, and it feels more collective. It feels more like con- basketball consensus in that way. I mean, I think Kyle. I mean, I know we all love Kyle, and I don't want to like. I will always be biased for Kyle, but I don't want to come across like biased to the point where like my opinion isn't relevant anymore. But I do think because Kyle was always the leader of that team and they were used to Kyle being a leader that when Kawhi came in, he was fitting into an existing strong system yeah, and not just building kind of a system. By example. Exactly. And they weren't building a system around Kawhi, which is what the Clippers were doing and what San Antonio was trying to do. Yeah. And I think that's like the big difference because, and really I shouldn't give just Kyle that credit. It's really the whole team and the whole organization yeah, for building that good chemistry over the years that uh, somebody like Kawhi could come in and leave. Mm-hmm. and the rest of it is still like healthy and good and stays intact like I think you know it really does say a lot about the Raptors and I will always say that they deserve more credit until they actually get it but yeah it's just I mean a lot of people like Kawhi because he's uh unusual as a personality but for me, it makes me not like him because I'm like, this isn't like cute and, and quirky in a way that I feel works. So I don't know. Yeah, there's cute and quirky, but there's also it's like, God, just like support your teammates for once. You know, this is a team thing. Yeah, because you know, like just... it kind of makes me think like, oh, do you think you're better than everyone? Yeah. That like when you're injured, you sit up here, but everybody else is still at the bench with their teammates. Like, I mean, I get like his family's with them and that's cool. But like, why? Like, a lo- there's plenty of guys in the league who are like family men and wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, LeBron sits with his team when he's injured. Yeah. Even and, and LeBron is LeBron, right? Yeah. Like, and so even it's he just you can st- Yeah, he he understands the importance of the leadership and the role that he carries on his team and in the league. Yeah, like I think the Clippers, this is my personal theory, are happy he's not on the bench right now. That's the point I'm really getting across. I think they're happy. They seem like they're having a better time. They're having a better time without him. And I think that's a long term. That's a problem that is a problem it's a huge problem i i i uh it does concern me like if i were a clippers fan i would be pretty concerned about that i'm not a clippers fan and i'm still concerned about that (laughs) Um, it it is concerning it is general general consensus is it's concerning (laughs) yeah the the consensus is that it's 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 concerning even uh, it's it's just like yeah i don't i don't i don't like to see it I, i like a little a little enthusiasm like you know, all the star players are divas to a certain extent, but, yeah. you know, like, sit with your teammates. Have some camaraderie, you know? It's it's a brotherhood. Act like it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly that. Um, I mean, on the flip side, the Suns, like I said, they pretty much look destined to win this whole thing. They just have that spark to them that I felt the Raptors had in 2019. They just feel destined to take it all. Um, DeAndre Aiden is having a great series. 
um, I was reading an article about how he's more than just the guy that got drafted before Luca now. And I think that's really sweet. I think there's a lot of really nice um, redemption kind of narratives in this year's playoffs. Like we talked about Trey, um, Paul George, especially um, he might even take the cake if that was a ranking. Um, but Deandre Aiden too, like he's turning out to not, not that I ever thought he was a bust, but you know, considering Luca and Trey are really like generational, you know, build your team around superstars. Um, Luca, obviously more obvious. And I think, you know, I love that those two careers will always be compared to each other throughout their entire careers. Like, I actually think that's kind of a fun narrative to follow year after year, but Deandre Aiden is turning out to be a good player and a good, you know, um, uh what's the expression i'm looking for like a like a cornerstone yeah um in in your in your franchise and so he had that amazing uh game-winning lob in game one uh which was so fun i screamed at the tv i oh me too when that went in that was so exciting yeah that's sort of um that's the kind when, when kids dream about being in the nba those are the kind of plays they yes, dream about making yes and that's i can't remember who it was i can't remember who made that pass why is that left me oh anyway whoever made the pass great pass um there was a little bit of a debate on twitter as to whether that was the best inbound pass or kyle to og in the bubble last year and i made the argument that kyle's pass is still better but it's not by like a large margin no it's not a it's not a huge margin i decided i decided kyle's pass is better because he had to throw it over taco fall yeah and he had to throw it across the court and i mean og had to hit a three yeah that's that is, so i uh, think that does give it shout a more out hubie brown shout out hubie <laughs> brown's old dvds uh yeah shout out hubie brown um i think that was difficult but to the sun's credit they had less time on the clock yeah and that pass also had to be perfect so two perfect passes um not the phoenix pass not quite as far it's to the basket it's not across the court but also difficult angle so i was i was given but i gave the edge to kyle because of the taco fall thing yeah um but that but like i said it's not by a large margin at all like it was an incredible play um, and also too, I thought it was unfair because they had 0.9 seconds on the clock and then they gave the Clippers 0.7. And I was like, there's no way they had 0.7. I thought maybe 0.5 mm-hmm. or four. I, I thought 0.7 was generous, although um, they didn't end up being able to do anything with it. But, and also to a defensive collapse on, on their part as well, like, DeAndre Aiden had a clear path to the basket. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, I think, wasn't as up on the ball being inbounded as he could have been. Uh, Yeah, definitely a defensive collapse considering how many timeouts there were or how many breaks you had. I just thought. All that stoppage of play. With all that stoppage of play to still have a defensive collapse is kind of, but whatever. I mean, it was super fun, super entertaining um really in an all-time classic game 
really an all-time classic series i think between that and the and the broken nose oh man yeah, that guy that kid devin booker's nose was full busted like it changed the entire shape of his face devin booker's like he looked like a di- he looked like a different person by the end of that game i was Poor like oh my god he doesn't even look the same anymore no. r.i.p devin booker's nose <laughs> devin booker's perfect rest in power <laughs> rest your sacrifice power will be noted <laughs> I don't know. I think his nose will come. I think his uh, his uh, his nose will make some sort of a comeback. Yeah, De- Devin Booker doesn't have to worry about his nose. He's he he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No. Doesn't have he'll be fine. He'll be that. fine. Uh, Devin Booker's winning at life a, a, a great deal. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, love watching the Suns team. The Chris Paul having COVID thing was a really weird uh, turn of events here. But I have to say, for something like that to happen to Chris Paul, it couldn't have happened at a better time, dare I say, as far as the playoffs go, because they had that long break because they swept the Nuggets. Oh, yeah. He rested. And then he got well rested. And then he only missed uh, two games. Oh, yeah. So, I mean... Uh, all things considered uh for someone to have covid and to have it work out like that um pretty good also definitely good that he was fully vaccinated and uh i don't think took the toll on him that we've seen it take on other athletes before the vaccine was available so that was really good um yeah i just think the suns are destined to win it all i do think they will be the Bucks, or if the Hawks pull off some sort of miraculous comeback, they would easily beat the Hawks. But that would be more fun to watch because we are, yeah. That's how that's how I'm going to refer to the Hawks. It's the Are you not entertained, Hawks? Yep. Hawk, the Hawks are just fun. Kaka. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, I'm not a good enough sound person to take that and just use it as a soundbite forever, but I wish I were. Um. <laughs> I was I was paying homage to uh, J.A. Skeets of No Dunks again. Shout out to No Dunks. Uh, they've been early. They've been early on the Hawks. I mean, they're in Atlanta now, so they're homers. But I have oh, yeah. to say. For all the you know basketball content that I consume on a weekly basis, they've probably been the least hateful towards uh, Trey Young there. Yeah, they've they've been kind to the Hawks. They've been Hawks sympathizers. Yeah, it's more the ESPN and, and the Ringer people that have been more harsh on, on Trey Young. I based on what I've observed. Yeah, yeah but anyway, socks uh, socks. <laughs> This is not a baseball podcast. No, this is not a baseball podcast. Suns for the win. Uh, This is what happens when you don't write anything down. You know what I mean? But it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I want to move on to a bit of the coaching search progress. Um, Mainly, there's two teams we're going to talk about here. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks. So the Portland Trailblazers have hired Chauncey Billups and the Dallas Mavericks have hired uh, Jason Kidd. And so let's talk about the Blazers 
thing first because it came out and maybe we'll just put a bit of a, a trigger warning on this because we're talking about allegations. Uh, Chauncey Billups was uh, accused of sexual assault back in 97. Um, and this came out, I didn't know this actually. And I like to think I'm a person who's fairly on top of these things. But in 97, I mean, I was pretty young. I wasn't following the news like that at that age. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I want to say like kudos to the Portland Trailblazers fans for making this a thing. Really, it's the fans who make any of these things a thing ever. Um, so I appreciate the Portland fan base for caring and, and giving a shit, frankly. Um, even though some fans went online and were critical of Damian Lillard because they're like, you are supporting this because they don't hire anyone without you involved. And then Damian Lillard actually went on Twitter and said he did not endorse this hiring. And that he said, he said he gave names of people that he thought would be good for the job. He said that he does not, sorry, I shouldn't have said he didn't endorse this hiring. That's my bad. I'm going to correct this right now. He said that he gave names of people he thought would be good for the job. He was not aware of these allegations. And he explicitly said, I do not endorse this kind of behavior and has since distanced himself from the hire, which is what I've read. I've read uh, a few articles about this. I made sure to read more than one. Although I have to say, because it's around the issue of sexual assault, reporters tend to dance around the details frankly, because I think everyone who reports on this stuff in any official capacity is worried they're going to step on the toes of people they have relationships with and rely on for access. So mm -hmm. that is the information that I have. Uh, I haven't read the details of Chauncey Billups' case, although I was uh, unfortunately doing a bit of a deep dive in the comments, which we all know we should never do, but I did. Uh, some people, some fans are saying that they actually took the time to read the police report and that the police report was, was very awful. So there's that. Um, it's weird. Cause on one hand, I understand that like, this is a thing that happened a long time ago, but on the other hand, I realize well, this is a very serious crime and he has been accused of rape, not a lesser form of sexual assault, just so we're clear. Um, and I don't like when people put the time thing on it. Like, oh, it was a different time. It was a different time. It's like, we all knew that was wrong. Like there's not a, a, a year where suddenly that wasn't a thing you didn't know was morally wrong to do. So I don't know. I mean, I also think like one thing I struggle with is why do we care about some people and not others? Yeah. And, um, it's a hard sorry. I've said a lot, Chris. No, lot. it's okay. Like I, I'm, I mostly agree with what you're saying. Like you've touched on like excellent points. And, um, in terms of like, I didn't read the police report myself. I haven't I either. Know that, um, I know that the case was settled outside of court and there was a, a settle, a cash settlement involved and it was left right. at that. And, you know, I'm always about, you know, like 
the justice system is just sort of terrible in terms of dealing with this kind of thing. And if uh, a victim or a survivor can get any sort of feeling of justice whatsoever, yeah. by all means, like, take whatever you can get. If, you, if that person doesn't want to go through the court system and have their testimony picked apart and have to relive that trauma, yeah, take the cash settlement and, you know, yes. go live a good life. I'm I there is absolutely no shame in that uh if that's what if that's what is justice to a survivor if that's what a survivor wants if if a survivor wants financial compensation by all means I think that's totally a totally valid course of of justice and recourse you know outside of like throwing people in jail right it's it's now yeah absolutely I, yeah Sorry, no. And but it, on on top of that, it also doesn't, you know, nullify the severity of what Chauncey Billups did back then. Even though it was a tw a long time ago, even though he was a young man. Yeah, he was twenty one years he old. He was twenty one years old, but that's still old enough to know that any sort of sexual activity without consent. Or with coercion is rape, and he should have known better than that. It doesn't matter that he's, you know, a young, hot, up-and-coming basketball player with any sort of power. It's just like, no, it, it, assault is assault. No means no. And, you know, that's a bad thing. E even back in 1997. Even, <laughs> right? You don't have to be woke in 1997 to know that rape is bad. And, um, but at the same time you know you you want to see a certain level of integrity with someone who is a head coach you want to make sure that that person has good character because they're they're in a leadership position with young men and you know there's a certain level of you know community leadership and setting example as well and some coaches are better at that than others but you know you want to see uh, a certain level of visibility uh, a certain level of owning up to those past accusations like you haven't heard anything at all from chauncey billups he's been completely silent yeah. and that's the thing that bothers me more than anything like Dame getting defensive about it and being kind of wishy-washy about it, like, okay, yeah, that's not great. Uh, and I I'm willing to accept the fact that Dame didn't know until after he got hired because I didn't know about the allegations. Until yeah, I didn't know either. either. It was before he got hired, but it was, like, super recent when I read those allegations about that. Like, before then, I was all in on Chauncey Billups. Like, oh, yeah, he seems like a good fit for the Blazers. But knowing that he has that stain on his record it's just sort of like it makes me question his integrity and his character and you can say all that want all you want about it like, oh it's just sports it's just sports it's all about how you coach the game it's about the x's and o's and i'm like no it's it x's and o's is like maybe 20 percent of it it's 80% leadership. That's why Nate Bjorkman was fired after a year in Indiana, <laughs> right? It's because his people skills were horrible and he didn't work with others as well as he did, like, say, on the Raptors as an assistant coach position, as he did as in a, in a full-on leadership position as a head coach. And that's a huge difference, right? If that's, like, that's the step between being an assistant and the step between being uh, the head coach. It's the same as, you know... 
the difference between being an assistant director on a film and then being the director director on a film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you're supposed to your job as a coach, as as you would be as a director, is to pre to protect the integrity of the vision of the team and keep everyone on task. Like you're 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 running plays, you're telling the people what to do on the floor. But that's only part of what you see on the court. It's all about people management skills, building relationships, having a certain level of integrity. That's why someone like Greg Popovich has been so successful as a coach and has had his job for as long as he has is because he's known for building relationships with his players. He can be kind of cold and short with people in the media, but when it goes behind in the locker room, he actually makes an effort to build relationships with his players and tries to relate to them on some sort of human level. And, you know, five championships over 20 years with Tim Duncan and the fact that they're still really close friends, you know, is a testament to that relationship building. Like, you can learn plays and read playbooks and study film all you want, but if you can't manage people, you can't be a head coach of an NBA basketball team. And so when I see people like Chauncey Billups be rewarded with that level of responsibility as an NBA head coach by an organization, which I'm pretty sure was probably aware of his past allegations sort of like have he really considered you know has he really proven his character has he really gone above and beyond to try to you know uh be held accountable and own up to his mistakes publicly and publicly support you know does he have any history of you know supporting women's shelters or, you know, growing, you know, women's sport, or trying to make things more inclusive for other people that are t- tend to be marginalized in basketball and mm-hmm, talking like women, mm-hmm, LGBT mm-hmm. people, like, has he given back to the community in that way? And it's, if, it's, if it's a big question mark, I don't think Chauncey Billups deserves a coaching position in the NBA if he has that kind of scar on his record. That's what it comes down to for me. Um, Chris, I think all of that was really well said. Um, and, and I agree. And I think the frustrating thing with this, that at least I just feel as a fan is the lack of consistency when it comes to accountability, right? Like, and I think that kind of goes across the board with like entertainment and other fields. It's just, there's such a lack of consistency when it comes to accountability for people. And it's like how some people get canceled and some people don't. And I don't necessarily think like cancel culture is quote unquote, right. Because then you just push people to the fringes of society and then they build their own groups. And then, you know, the propaganda just grows and grows and yeah, grows. And the problem gets worse. I'm, and the I'm problem gets worse. It's all about accountability for me. Yes. For me. It's all about accountability. And I think like, even though this is something that happened a long time ago, it just frustrates me that there is no accountability and it, it just bothers me. And the only like solace that I can get from this is that I'm like to hear another fan base also be upset and bring this up kind of gives me hope, frankly, because, you know, Toronto is a pretty, you know, as far as like major cities in North America go is a fairly progressive city. And so for a while there, like when all the Terrence Davis stuff was happening last year, I was feeling like, man, like maybe there's like a very small section of us in Toronto who are the only ones who care 
or who care enough to be vocal or make this a vocal thing. So it was like nice to see another fan base be vocal about this kind of stuff, because frankly, you know, Jason Kidd, and we're going to talk about Dallas, um, was charged with domestic assault and he admitted to that domestic assault. So it's not even a, an accusation. We don't know all the facts. He confessed that this was true. So there's no denying it. Um, he was also charged with a DUI, like 10 years later. Um, he has poor relationships with people everywhere he goes, like, and he got hired for this job and like a part of me is like you know what it makes life easier for me when all the problematic people are on one team so dallas like you can have it <laughs> like a part but like you don't hear i mean and maybe apologies if there's a smaller section of the dallas maverick fan base that just isn't as loud for me to to hear it but the dallas mavs fans don't appear to care or at least not a vocal majority yeah. or not enough appear to care that this is happening because that organization has a history of sexual harassment um, in the workplace. Christos Porzingis has some very awful allegations against him. And if you read about that, whoa, that's a, that's a deep dive. And now Jason Kidd and it's like, wow, this team's just like collecting them all. That's <laughs> how I feel. Yeah, it's 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 like a rogues gallery of problematic and <laughs> personnel oh in, in the Mavs front office and like they are almost right shameless in how they don't care. It's almost really, shameless it's about it. Gross, actually. It's gross, and like I hope that Luca gets the hell out of there. I mean, I don't know much about Luca from a personality perspective, like I don't really know anything about this guy. I don't know if he's all in on this boys club or not, but he is such a great player, which is the only thing I really know about him that I hope that he's also, you know, not the kind of person that wants to be involved in all of this, but oh, we yeah. don't know. Yeah. I, I, uh, it, Rick Carlisle it, definitely didn't want to be involved. He no, ran Rick back Carlisle home to Indiana. He went home to Indiana. Yeah, he got the hell out of there. I mean, like, look, like that takes that takes Yeeted guys to walk to Indiana. He did himself to the cornfields. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean you guys I'm going home. <laughs> after that crazy report came out about the athletic, like there's a world where Rick Carlisle could have still had his job. But I guess it was just because it wasn't really a full on indict. I mean, it was a bit, but it was more about Haralabob the gambler feeding Carlisle information. But see, this is I was saying this last week. I don't know why they don't fire Haralabob because like there are other data people. Yeah, there are other there's so many the there's like data assholes. people are interchangeable in a way that uh, coaches are not. But I just think like you know, Mark Cuban's such a tech guy that he thinks this guy is like irreplaceable. And I just don't think that's true. I just don't, I just can't believe that. I just, I'm sure he is talented and he was a very talented gambler, but my God, to run your franchise like that. No, that the, it's, it's, it's so impersonal and weird and uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's just I don't it's like so it tech bro-y and gross. No, I don't want that in basketball. No, it is super gross. I don't like it. I can't believe that there's all these 
articles and things written about Chauncey Billups and not written about Jason Kidd having yet another opportunity despite his problematic past uh, because this is his third head coaching job. Yeah, he is holistically problematic as a has as a head coach and his track record and as an individual human being. Like he's yeah, not like, a nice this is, person and this he's is not consistent. a particularly good coach. This is like consistent. I don't get it. No, it is so brutal, and I think more fans need to be vocally upset that this is happening. Like you know, and we talked about like. Now, like, there's all this conversation about maybe a woman will finally be a head coach in the NBA. There's a lot of female assistant coaches, a lot of people who were former, not just WNBA players, but WNBA stars. Like, I don't know if people, you know, really are familiar with the WNBA who listen to this, but Becky Hammond is one of the greatest WNBA players, period. Like she's a top 50 all-time player, full stop. Uh, Same with Teresa Weatherspoon, who's an assistant with the Pelicans. Teresa Weatherspoon had the greatest, I mean, talk about game-winning shots, the greatest half-court game-winning shot of all time in the finals. And it was New York versus Houston. And that was in the late nineties before half court threes were even a goddamn thing. Yeah. Like they are incredible. And to see, I mean, it's not like, okay, yes, I'm biased. Yes. I want a woman to be a head coach in the, in the NBA, but to see someone like Jason Kidd get another opportunity over them, not that I would expect Dallas to ever hire them. And I don't even know if I would want that for them to be in Dallas based on everything we've just said, but it's just, come on. It's just, it pisses me off, frankly. I mean, I'm coming in hot today. <laughs> I oh no, I, but, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is though, it's that like, even like, well, with someone like Witherspoon or, or Hammond, like they've been in the NBA for, they've been assistants in the NBA for a significant amount of time. So they longer have longer under- than Chauncey Billups, longer than Chauncey Billups. They have an intimate understanding of the NBA game. Moreover, I think that people don't respect the women's game enough and it's more cerebral on it. And it's more about, you know, positioning and spacing and where, you know, where you are on the court and having that court vision. And, you know, there's no real dunking in the WNBA until very recently. It's all about where your teammates are positioned and where you are on the court and those kinds of plays, right? And there's a heavy reliance on the three. And that's kind of where the NBA game is going to. Ever since Steph Curry, you know, became Steph Curry, you know, that's kind of been the direction of the NBA. That's like, that's the blueprint to like, you know, the point guards and shooters and, and everything. Like, it completely revolutionized the game and it made it more cerebral. And the women's game has always kind of been like that. As someone who played yeah. women's basketball, like, you know, it's 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 about, you know, it's all, you know, the game's played in your head. It's it, the, the, the women's game is from the shoulders up. It's more cerebral. It's less physical. It's more about strategy. And that's where the modern NBA is going. It's, it's about... It's there's physicality is super and important. Athleticism is super important. You know, Giannis being a great example of that. But you know, sometimes when it's a close matchup, it's that court vision. It's the intellect that you have on the court that wins you games. And 
you know, women's players and women's coaches have a great understanding of that. Not to mention the people skills, right? Like absolutely. And then you have the you have unique perspectives on the game. Like there was that players' tribute article that Pau Gasol wrote about Becky Hammond and how much he loved having her as a coach. And he mm. said, "There's few people in the world today that know." And understand the game as much as Becky Hammond does, right? And, you know, I really, really want to see someone like that. I think that her approach in a head coaching position would be beneficial to literally any team in the NBA, let alone, like, the Spurs or the Trailblazers or the Mavericks. And, like, the perfect names for, to have a female head coach, Trailblazers and Mavericks? Like, come on! It <laughs> writes itself! And the two teams had to pick, like, the two problematic coaches that are, were in the coaching carousel dialogue right now, and they had to hire both of them. And it's just like, ah, it's so yeah. frustrating. Like, yeah, call me, like, uh, a woke liberal feminist or whatever you know, we need more women head coaches and more women's prison guards and shit. But no, like, this is, <laughs> it's like they earned it. Like, Becky, yeah, I mean, look. a head coaching position. Even if she weren't a woman, <laughs> she would still deserve it. <laughs> yeah, like, of course, you know, we, we stand up for what we believe in. But also there's just people who have resumes. And there's that too. And it's like, it's becoming apparent that these very qualified resumes are being ignored for other biases like and on one hand it's like yes we need more black coaches in the nba as well absolutely Cha chauncey billups was an assistant coach for a year and i'm sure there are other black coaches in the nba as assistants or in other capacities who deserve that chance over Chauncey Billups. So I'm not just saying like, oh, a woman should have that job instead. No, there are a lineup of people who should have that job instead. Yes. Both In both cases, more so the Jason Kidd case, frankly, because I mean, my God, like that guy has already had multiple chances and has yeah. fucked it up. Yeah. Fucked it up. Totally. Now, and, and funny enough, like, I feel like the best coaching hire was by the Boston Celtics, and they hired Miyadoka this morning. Who knew? Thank you. I was just going to say it. Yeah. Yes. Boston with the, the best hire coming in. Shout out Brad Stevens. Oh, my. Yeah, Boston being, like, Former player, smart. <laughs> experienced assistant. Yes. Totally deserved this, it. Yes, I First Nigerian-American head coach in the NBA, Masai, I'm sure, is very, very happy and called him up this morning to congratulate him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but Who yeah. Knew? Boston, knew? with the progressive Boston move. Would be With the progressive move. Way to go, Boston. I mean, I think a lot of that, too. I mean, yes, Brad Stevens is now the, the GM. I think a lot of that had to do with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown being yes. like... The, we need to shake this up because I got to give them credit. And I feel like just based on my own observations, Jalen Brown was very vocal, but I'm sure they both were um, last year um, with black lives matter and it being vocal in the bubble and like both people forget, but both Boston and Toronto were talking about boycotts before Milwaukee did it. Yeah, and as, I, as far as I'm concerned, Boston and especially Tatum and Brown have really taken the lead here. Yeah, and you have as much as we make fun of 
Boston and Boston fans for being, you know, racist and stuff like that. You really have to admire the people like that are currently shepherding the organization and spearheading the organization right now. They're actually making an effort to make amends for that and are actually trying to, you know, steer the ship around and try to right some wrongs. I, I really have to commend the Celtics here. I might even F around and cheer for them next season. I don't know <laughs> if I'll go that far. Well, you know what? Boston. A lot, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. So who knows how I will feel in terms of, I mean, they are a division rival, but I don't have a problem with them outside of solely being a division rival, at least this current iteration of the Celtics. I mean, yeah, like I just got to give them credit. I'm sure they were very vocal in this decision and it appears that they've made a really good decision. So kudos to them. This is what we want to see. This is how it should be done. And it's just, I don't know, like, it's just heartbreaking. And then it just like, I love the NBA and I love basketball so much. And I don't want to walk away over my beliefs because I'm also like, well, if I walk away, then I'm less vocal. Now I'm not taking up space. Um, and then nothing changes, but it's just year after year. And you know, I've been watching basketball since I was a kid. It just gets really disheartening, frankly. Like, I just, I don't know, like I get tired I hate saying that, but it's true. I get hired. I get tired of fighting this fight all the time. It's exhausting. Yeah. And I just feel like I'm the only one because I, I know I'm not the only one, but I feel alone in this fight often because, you know, even people who claim to be liberal and progressive in the media don't do enough. They no. just don't do enough. And I think they rely too heavily on access to players and teams and they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to push anybody. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, we've given our opinions, but we've also only given facts. We've like, even in this entire conversation, we didn't make up a single fact to have this conversation. Like not at all. I would never do that. Like I just, even on my little podcast, I would consider that morally irresponsible. And I just feel like it takes little independent shows like this to have real conversations about this topic. And I feel like that's not right. Like we need to be having conversations like this on a bigger scale. And I want to see someone have the guts to do that because like, I'll see some, you know, not that it should be on women, but I see some female reporters want to talk about it, but they can't or like like Jackie McMullen was on Bill Simmons podcast and she was just like, well, it bothers me. And I thought that was actually quite brave yeah. because that alone, a lot of people don't have the guts to say. Yeah, and I just it's a, it's a systemic problem. Yeah. And and Jackie McMullen is a journalist that, you know, thrives on access, you know. McMullen yes. is usually the person who, at, at least at that mainstream ESPN level, you know, she's the one who's writing the really big human interest stories and, you know, crafting narratives like that. Like, she, yes. that's her thing. So she, she heavily depends on building trust and relationships with organizations and with players and with coaches, you know, to break those stories and to craft those narratives for, for you know, for, the, for people to consume and the people to read. And, you know, the fact that even she went out of her way to say, you know, stuff like that makes her uncomfortable. Like, that's a big step. You yeah, know? it's huge. It's huge. And I think really, like, we need more, like, frankly, top 
male journalists in the who cover sports to have the guts to say something I don't think they will I don't I'm not expecting it but I mean to me I feel like that's what it would take to have a real conversation and real discourse about this on a mass level that could lead to some kind of change because for every you know people always talk about these problematic guys who deserve second third fourth chances in chasing kids case um but at the same time there's a lot of people male female gender side a lot of people who deserve these chances who haven't gotten a single chance and you know i even feel this way about comedy like people always talk about giving certain comedians a second chance and i'm like you have no idea how many funny people there are in this world who deserve a first chance before this person deserves a third chance yeah and like being in it i feel and experiencing it in my own professional life that's why i feel so strongly about that even looking at the nba like there's just no way there aren't extremely qualified coaches who deserve this chance before they do yeah absolutely it's just it's it's so about so much about branding and you know name recognition like oh they played in the nba before so they have an understanding of that kind of game but at the same time it's like you know there's more to that to the job and just because you play in the nba doesn't necessarily translate well in that way just play at any professional level it doesn't necessarily translate to you know building those relationships and setting a good example right i just wish players would look outside of that and it's a player problem too it's just sort of like oh they played in the nba it's like oh yeah yeah, i watched them as a kid i'd love to be coached by them you know and i can i can you know i could lob the same criticism at steve nash who was basically just given a head coaching job because he had you know he has a name i love steve nash i I loved watching him play the the suns but he was basically just given a head coaching job right Yeah, I mean, I think he worked on a consulting level with Golden State and as well as Team Canada. So he had some experience, but but not the level of like years and years of of coaching, like hard coaching experience that other coaches had. So, yeah, Steve Nash was absolutely. And also, too, there's there's the whole like making Kevin Durant happy scenario. Right. Because they had a relationship based on his work in Golden State. I mean, the Steve Nash hiring, I felt like I understood it. It wasn't the most fair, but I did understand it. Yeah. Because I think considering the way that team's made up and you want to talk about like managing egos, I feel like somebody like Steve Nash would understand. Yeah. That's someone who would excel at that. Yeah. Where like somebody who's been, you know, coaching for years and years in the G League, working their way up the assistant rankings in the NBA wouldn't necessarily unless they had worked on a team like a Golden State, like with multiple um, superstars would necessarily understand that balance um, in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, sorry, this turned out to be a longer rant that than I thought. Chris, thank you for being a friend, not just a a podcast guest, but a friend that I could have uh, that rant with. I really appreciate it. No problem. And with that, guess what? We have a Raptors Homer moment this week. So let's move on to that. Yes. Okay. On to better news. The Raptors have 
the number four pick in the draft, which made all our last minute tanking and sitting Kyle kind of worth it, right? Yep, I ate my words. The number yeah, four pick, we, amazing. We jumped, we jumped. I think we were projected the seventh pick and we jumped to four. People have been calling this mainly a top four heavy draft. So it looks like no matter who falls into that fourth spot, we're going to be in good shape. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of people are predicting Jason Suggs. I don't really know a lot about these guys because I'm not a big NCAA person, but I know based on what I've heard that we're going to have a really good player and being fourth kind of actually makes it easy because you know who the top four players are. It's pretty clear. And then whoever falls to that spot, you're going to pick. Mm -hmm. And I think like there's a little more flexibility in the slightly lower pick than like number one, because if you go number one, then you're obviously going to take Cade Cunningham. Yeah. That's a given. Um, Detroit got the number one pick. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, they deserved something good. Um, yeah. After they the needed the, it. Yeah. They needed something good because it's been a, some rough seasons for those, for, for the friend, for our friends in Detroit. Uh, shout out Quake. Shout out Case. How you doing, man? <laughs> uh, enjoy Cade. <laughs> um, uh, we are, we, we don't hate, we don't hate Dwayne Casey in this house. Um, no, I don't hate Dwayne Casey either. Yes. We love Dwayne Casey. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's very obvious that they're going to go with Cade. Cade is the, um, Detroit's the only combine that he worked out, like the only draft yeah. exercise he really worked out for. It's very obvious. I'm sure he realizes he way. doesn't even need to work out for anyone else. They nope. know he knows what, he knows what the deal is. The, the thing I'll say about Casey and I do think Nick Nurse is a stronger coach, but I do think Casey is an excellent player development coach. Oh, absolutely. And so that in that respect, I really like Casey and I like him being with a young team and trying to build up a young team more so than I liked his previous uh, Detroit teams that he was trying to, you know, manage somehow out of mediocrity but like really couldn't like yeah and i'm glad he still has his job frankly i'm Me glad too. he hasn't I'm been fired over all of this yeah yeah because i think he's, he's i do think busy he's a good coach. i'm glad he's booked and busy in detroit i'm very happy for casey and busy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's our new saying book well, or your new saying at least booked and yep. busy i like yes. it um yeah happy for detroit happy for us really like fred with a very stoic face uh, on the Zoom call there, which was fun. Um, yeah, really excited for next season. Like a lot of people are like, oh, like if we take a car, if we take a guard, does that mean, uh, does that mean Kyle is leaving? And I'm like, look, let's just take the best player. I don't really care what position they're in and we will figure out the rest, honestly. Yeah. We will figure out the rest. I mean, yes, we need a big, but I don't want to pick a lesser big over a potential generational point guard. Like that's crazy. Yeah, no, you take the best player available at your spot. That's that's, that's yeah. the general rule of the draft. The the little that I know about drafting and scouting talent, I know which I know very very little of, and I am just parroting other people's opinions of. But it is my understanding that you know, uh, if you have the number one pick, you take the best player available, and that's Kate Cunningham. Um, yeah. In terms of who's available for us, uh, the Raptors at the four, uh, I am hearing rumblings of of Suggs, Jalen Green, and even Jonathan Kaminga. 
Uh, I actually yeah. wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors went with one of the the Ignite players that played in G League this year because we like that kind of thing. We like that grit and we like that hustle. We like to see that in our players. Uh, and I think, um, you know, Kaminga and Green definitely have that kind of tenacity and showed off in, in the G League this year. So uh, there's that. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors decide to go that way. Uh, I also heard a rumor that um, OKC is willing to offer Shea Gilgis Alexander for the fourth pick because they didn't Whoa. place as high. It's a rumor I heard. Uh, I, I have n like no substantial evidence whatsoever. That's just a thing that I heard. Um, in do you the make that trade? Area. Do you make that trade? I don't know if I make that trade. I don't know if I make that trade. Shay's pretty good though. Shay is wonderful, and I'm sure. Shay, but the thing with Shay is he's a number two. He, he's not a number one. He's no, a he's a number two, two option. But I'm and... very sure he would love to play for the home team. Oh yeah, we would love him. Hamilton's own. Hamilton's own. Uh, that's so funny. That sounded like Hamilton's zone. <laughs> Nine oh five basketball, baby. Nine oh five basketball, baby. Um, I don't know. That's tempting, but I don't know enough about these other guys to say for sure if I would or wouldn't. But that is, I don't know. It's tempting, but I don't trust OKC because the thing is, like, Masai isn't one to lose a trade, but neither is Sam Presti. No. Which is why, which is why Masai wasn't going to make that Pascal for Paul George trade either. Oh heck no! Oh, that was that was. Remember odd. that? Remember yeah. that? Yeah, Masai is yeah. not taking that call very easily mm -hmm, either. Mm -hmm. Um, so good, you know. Oh God, OKC, because I think they're disappointed they didn't get a top four pick despite all their goddamn picks so i don't know what they're gonna do but to me that's also like i mean other people have said this too but it's kind of like basketball karma mm -hmm. you know for you to tank and trade for picks like that and still not get a top four pick try and do um, an okay you're trying to rig process yeah you're trying to rig the system a little and it didn't totally work out so i don't know we'll see what happens the raptors are gonna have a very very interesting off season and i definitely look forward to it uh two more things i want to say here um one uh phil handy did an interview so former raptors assistant coach current lakers assistant phil handy has a very interesting history that's another guy talk about guys who deserve a head coaching job wow phil handy has been around the league for a long time players love him um he gets a lot of credit for um developing kyrie irving at a young age because he was the cleveland assistant when they won he's won championships with multiple franchises anyway he did an interview um oh what's that podcast called the one with matt barnes and, and stephen jackson up in smoke or something anyway something like that whatever and <laughs> and uh he said he was talking about Kawhi in the raptors championship run and he said that after the game two loss against the milwaukee bucks you know nick nurse was in the locker room and he's like hey guys like don't worry we're gonna look at some tape we're gonna make some adjustments like it's gonna be good and Kawhi said i'm guarding Giannis." that's the adjustment and then left the room yeah and I that can, is the I adjustment they made that made or break the series i just thought that was really interesting because all this time i really thought that was the coach's 
decision. I didn't know that that was Kawhi's suggestion. Yeah. And I think that actually in a weird way changes the way I see Nick. I mean, obviously I still love Nick, but like, um, I don't know. He just got a lot of credit for being such a smart coach and to know that that was Kawhi's decision or like, you know, his idea, frankly, as well as there's the story of Kawhi shutting down Nick Nurse's G League stories just makes me think like, man, Kawhi, I don't think Kawhi really liked or respected Nick Nurse that much. I don't think Kawhi really likes or respects most people, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, based but on our previous how, conversation, however, but it's just it it kind of changes my view a little, doesn't it? However, like you know, like uh, a very wise person told me that um, when the team is winning, the coach gets too much credit, and when the team is losing, the coach gets too much slack, and that basically means like uh a lot of people put things on coaches that they kind of really shouldn't and and i think this and i think nick would probably be the first coach to really admit that even though like i think you know he he's very flattered by the narrative and the and the you know it's a nice ego stroke for someone like you know someone like nick who had to grind so hard to get to where he is now in the nba but it also goes back to like coaching by consensus you know it's not about uh, right an iron fist it's like if a player makes a good suggestion it's like yeah i agree with that i'm gonna make that's the adjustment i'm going to make he doesn't necessarily need to take credit for it but like if a player makes a good suggestion he's gonna take it right mm -hmm. and 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 nick would be you know the first person to admit it's like you can't just dictate everything and tell everyone what to do you have to let them have actually actually you know what i can even i'll even go out and say this when i went to the coaching clinic and i asked him about um you know developing court vision and ball iq and whatnot he said that you know i know when a player makes a suggestion 90 percent of the time i know whether or not it's going to work out but i'm going to let the player make that decision and make that call for themselves anyway to learn from themselves Right. But in that instance where there's that 10% of uncertainty or it's that instance where, oh yeah, that, that player actually made a really good suggestion. I'm going to take that suggestion. And that's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. He's going to do it. He doesn't have, uh, you know, he, his ego, uh, he understands that, you know, like this is about the players. Like, even though he's a coach and a dude who wears his initials on his hat, you know, and, you know, embraces the branding, He's not as, I don't think he's as conceited as people kind of make him out to be. He can be condescending, right. but that's like any head coach to dealing with like, you know, the layman or people that are not necessarily involved in the game as heavily as they are, right? But a good suggestion is a good suggestion and any leader is going to defer to a good suggestion, right? Yeah. So I don't think it really diminishes nick in my eyes i think it's for me it really has more to do with like the the narrative and the persona that's been crafted around him right yeah that's a great point and probably my own narrative crafted around yes we we we, we, we stand nick nurse in this house husband <laughs> and the father of trey father of trey young <laughs> 
<laughs> with that, I want so we usually end with a hot girl summer Nick Nurse highlight of the week or a quote of the week. But let's do something a little different here because Chris has a, a bit of a special story um, related to this week around volunteering with helping people get vaccinated. So let's hear about that. Yeah. So, um, uh, the city of Toronto and a few local hospital networks and MLSC basically decided to team up and be like, hey, we're going to throw on this big vaccination event for people in the city. We're going to open up the arena. Uh, we're going to, you know, make an event of it and, you know, have some fun and, you know, get some people vaccinated. And uh, now the, the it was the one day event actually holds the world record for most vaccines administered in the clinic in a single day and uh i got to volunteer and be a part of that for some of the day and you know i spent my sunday afternoon yesterday you know guiding people around the arena directing traffic getting people registered and signed in and you know generally having a pretty good time doing it and uh, it was really fun that's awesome. And I love that you were at Scotiabank Arena. I mean, I haven't been to an arena since pre-pandemic. And uh, you got to go through the Raptors Tunnel, uh, take some good selfies. You saw a lot of doctors and nurses taking selfies. Yeah, the nurses and the doctors were really excited to be there. Because I imagine, like, you know, you know, you know, our, our healthcare workers, you know, they've been on the front line. It's a bit of a drag and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like, corporate branding aside you know i think it was a nice change of pace for people because you know as corporate as sports are i understand that you know it's a, it's also a important cultural institution in the city and it, it's more than just like it's more than just a corporation it's more it's more than just making a profit there's like an actual cultural impact that sports has in the city toronto's a big sports city and using that to its advantage to get more people vaccinated it's not necessarily the perfect venue to do it but you know a highlight for me was seeing all of the nurses and doctors you know going through the arena and looking at the stuff when they're on their breaks and like taking pictures with signs and taking pictures at different locations and taking pictures with the statues and just sort of like having that morale boost mm. and then like seeing people like in the audience you know getting free tickets to games when you know you know stuff quote unquote, people were getting free tickets yeah they were giving away tickets what? to games what? No, no, this was a loss leader for MLSC. They gave out like 200 tickets or something like that. It was a lot of tickets. Free oh tickets to the Raptors games. Yeah. Oh, now, now I'm like, God, why don't I live in Toronto again? Now, granted, it was like <laughs> 27,000 people, but you know, like they were, they gave away thousands of like dollars. Like to the first the 200, tickets. like to the first 200. No, they people? were just giving them to random people every hour. Like, Every hour, they it's like they would have like three or four pairs of Raptors or Leafs tickets just to give away. Wow, wow! Yeah, come get your shot. You might win free Raptors tickets or free Leafs God, tickets. I'm so I'm feeling a lot of like vaccine envy right now because I'm just struggling to get that uh, second 
struggling to get that second dose booked but anyway yeah it's i'll get I'll it's get a mess eventually. I, i'll get there eventually and i have criticisms of you know the current rollout for you know how things are being done yeah yeah it's been fairly chaotic yeah very like very very chaotic but you know this was a fun option for people to get motivated and get vaccinated and ultimately you know you could you can choose to be really cynical about it but i you know as someone who who fancies himself as a bit of a leftist, I also understand that, you know, <laughs> these sort of things don't change overnight and people like their sports. Uh, so, you know, if that's what motivates people to get vaccines in arms and ultimately consider public safety and keeping people safe and keeping themselves safe, I mean, like, I'm gonna use those tools. Like, I have I have no qualms. I'm not I'm not a purist. I will use those tools to get people vaccinated and to help people. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll spend an afternoon like checking in on people like, are you okay? Are you feeling lightheaded? Can I get you anything? Do you need an elevator? Anything at all? Are you feeling lightheaded? Are you hungry? Are you looking for something in particular? You know, like, I, I don't mind. I don't mind dedicating a few hours of my time to get that done. Well, Chris, it's so awesome that you got to volunteer and do that. And uh, I can't wait to be fully vaccinated and hang out with you in person again. Uh, thank you so much for being here today, for being on this episode. We've run a little long here, but we had a lot to discuss. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris, K-R-I-S, double underscore Myers, M-Y-E-R-S. Uh, and also, uh, Catherine and I also have an ongoing podcast about Mad Men. Uh, we've released a couple of episodes so far, and then there's going to be new episodes coming out on a new website uh, on yes. Dork Shelf. So, not Dork Shelf, That Shelf. It used to be called Dork Shelf, so it is no it's longer a... called Dork Shelf. <laughs> it's, we have a podcast called The Who Is Podcast, and we're recapping a series and their their complicated protagonists so we chose mad men as our first show which is an absolutely phenomenal tv show uh analyzing who is donald draper it's on the that shelf network podcasting network um we've released the first two episodes so if you're a fan of tv check that out um thank you so much and uh <laughs> i don't know how to end this now um yeah that's gonna be a really fun project to do uh throughout the summer so thank you chris thank you for having me on buckets and tea i had a great time
But if you ever took the time to wonder how we 